What's up, everything? It's been a quiet, uneventful week in Blues Nation with a handful of losses, a couple wins, and some other stuff that's happened. Wait, what's this I'm being handed? Mike Yo's been fired, but how are we going to make our podcast titles into puns now? This is the Two Guys No Cup podcast. We are coming to you on Sunday, as we always planned, mm-hmm. on Sunday, November 25th. It is the week of Thanksgiving, and we have been in different places for several weeks, and now we are in the same place, and we'll just blame that and not my complete incompetence <laughs> with technology. We are in the same place now, but of course it's not St. Louis, because why would we ever record from there? We're in our insufficient and cold studios in Callahoo, Alberta, hometown of Craig Berube, and nothing else. (laughs) It's very small, and they don't know why we're recording a podcast (laughs) here. Ian, how are you doing today? I am stuffed. Are you from all the Thanksgiving food mm-hmm. or from the spears that the Callahoo city <laughs> residents are throwing in our general direction? <laughs> I didn't know that they were native. Yeah. We're sorry, Callahoo. We know nothing about you. We're sure you. you're a pleasant town. Yes, Thanksgiving was good. You were in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. It was cold. Food and was good. Before that, you were in Hawaii, where hopefully it was not cold. Yeah, warm. Food was good. <laughs> good, good, excellent. Temperature changes. Synopsis. Food stays the same. <laughs> yeah, it was nice. I recommend Hawaii. Good. So there you go. People were waiting for your, your My yes review, no on that, four so. stars out of five. Not enough islands. <laughs> oh, that's excellent. So, um... Obviously, we all know the big news from this past week that we have yet to comment on. We'll get there. Mm -hmm. It's not breaking at this point, so you can wait for a little while as Ian slowly undresses. (laughs) It's hot in here. (laughs) Um, But let's start with this little story out of Ottawa. Ian, you remember when that senator video dropped from the Uber and people were, they, they swore up and down to us that it was a resolved matter and they were totally fine with it and no one was going to be fun, punished for the mistakes they made in that video? Mm-hmm. It's well, all over. Well, they weren't. It was a <laughs> lie. And that's why Chris Weidman was traded on Thanksgiving Day to the Edmonton Oilers. For those of you that don't remember, a couple of weeks ago we talked about the video that dropped that was basically a number of Uber, a number of Uber players, a number <laughs> of Senators players, uh, most notably Chris Weidman and Matt Duchesne sitting in a large Uber on route to like a bachelor party or something. I don't remember what it yeah, was. Yeah, I think they're done in Arizona during yeah. a, like a, I don't know, a road trip. I assume. Yeah, uh, they yeah they were down in Arizona for a game against the Coyotes, and this Uber video filmed them, Uber driver filmed them, and they were basically crapping on one of their coaches the whole time. And it got published, which it never should have, but anyway, it happened. Because mm-hmm. Senators, it's they're cursed. They're just cursed. So anyway, um, 
they were filmed, uh, and the the other players in the car were either new to the team from the Sharks trade or like a super young rookie. And so Weidman and Duchesne were kind of the older players that had experience and all that. Um, so Weidman's been traded now. He's been the first to receive the axe for his behavior. Uh, in return, the Senators get the pick that we sent to the Edmonton Oilers for Jacob Jarevic, which is bizarre. I don't know how that works. It's a conditional pick. It's a conditional fifth or sixth. I don't know if I assume it's conditioned on something uh, like a number of games Jarebeck plays or something, and I don't know how that works. A he's special. Not, he's not going to meet that yeah, number <laughs> unless it was one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, especially now that it's with Calgary, I don't know if it's how many games that Jacob Jarebeck plays, a player they never had, yeah. and how many games he plays for the Blues, a team they never traded with. I guess that's how it works, because this is the NHL where the picks are made up and the trades don't matter. <laughs> um, but in any case, uh, we traded for Jacob Jarevac. That was a disaster. Ken Hitchcock's Edmonton Oilers traded for uh, Chris Weidman, and mm-hmm. we'll see if that's a disaster. Which, I guess, brings us to our next little bit of news. Ken Hitchcock... You know, old Ken Hitchcock, old, I only want to coach one more year in St. Louis, and mm. old, I'm going to retire, and I definitely haven't coached for two teams since then, Ken Hitchcock. Uh, he was hired as the replacement for Todd McClellan in Edmonton. Um, he is on for the remainder of the season. They fired McClellan literally during our press conference, like right at the end, the final question was about Hitchcock taking over in Edmonton. Do you um, think it was when Doug Armstrong said we're going to cast a wide net to look at other coaching options, and all of a sudden the like, Oilers are like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> got to get our guy. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. It's Peter Chiarelli. Nothing's off the table. Yeah, I can see him watching other teams' press conferences in the middle of the day. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so anyway, Hitchcock's there now coaching Connor McDavid. The hilarity will ensue. I don't know. The NHL, occasionally the hockey gods give us a gift. And to me, that's just a gift from heaven mm-hmm. <laughs> for Kyle, comedies. Kyle Brodziak will get just as much ice time. As, as Connor, Connor McDavid. McDavid yeah. yeah, for sure. Leon Dreisaitl will be banished to the fourth <laughs> line. And uh, you'll treat Paul Payarvi like Magnus Payarvi. <laughs> Magnus, get over here. Yeah. Why aren't you doing your wraparounds, Magnus? Yeah, I thought I always told you wraparound works. <laughs> for you, that's your only move. <laughs> Okay, so he's there for the rest of the season, and um, I mean, I get, I, th- I, there are rumors that there's a clause in his contract that makes it permanent if he gets them to the playoffs this year. I don't think that matters because I don't think they're making the playoffs this year. But mm-hmm. if any team, and I was kind of saying this when the Blues were considering firing their coach, and I know I got a, I got some flack for it, and rightfully so, but I just kind of said, listen, if you're trying to make this season work, mm-hmm. not thinking long-term, and you can't get Joel Quinville right away, Ken Hitchcock's not the worst option. And so um, 
he's there now, and we'll see how it unfolds. And I guess the final piece of league news we can discuss... Man, it, felt, it feels like we discussed all of this just a few days ago. <laughs> I but, don't think we did. <laughs> Probably not. No, because that would have recorded and we would have sent it out to the nations for sure. <laughs> uh, but anyway, the last piece of news is the William Nylander clock is ticking. It's ticking even more than it was two days ago when we didn't discuss it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you that don't know... Uh, Bill Nye, the forward guy, as we're now calling him, uh, has until December 1st to sign uh, with the Maple Leafs. I'm saying uh, a lot. I don't know why. I'll cut it out. He has until December 1st to sign with the Maple Leafs if he wants to play this season, and they, on the other hand, have until December 1st to sign him if they want to play him this season. (laughs) It's funny how that works. Um, They have... Basically that option, or they can trade him, and that's how, you know, and another team can sign him for before December 1st. Or they have the third option, which someone that I think was Pierre Lebrun threw into the mix just to make this story a little more shitty and chaotic, <laughs> and suggested that they could still just not sign him and use him as a trade ship to a non-playoff team after the deadline. So essentially, if a team, let's say that was vastly underwhelming expectations and, you know, wasn't performing and had already made a coaching change and that didn't seem to do anything, was sitting around at the trade deadline looking to make what is becoming their trademark deadline sell-off move to build for the future without sacrificing the present too much. If that sort of team existed, they could (laughs) potentially pursue Nylander in a trade at any point and just, you know basically cash in their losses and wait until next season to sign him. Uh, We'll see. We'll see if that happens or if he's just signed before, what's today, the 25th? So the first is Saturday? Is Mm -hmm. that correct? So we'll see. Who knows? We should know when we record next Friday, which is a good note. We are recording next Friday because if we recorded Thursday, we'd have one game to talk about. So it'll be Friday, and then we should be back, hopefully, to our normal Thursday. Schedule. What do you think's happening in the William Nylander situation, Ian? I think he's going to be signed. I think he'll be signed by December 1st. Does he have to be signed by December 1st or like before December 1st? I think it's just by December 1st. I think he gets signed. I don't think the Maple Leafs win the signing, though. There's no way they do at this point. They either sign him for a very short term, which they don't really like probably as an organization, or they sign him for a long term at money that they probably didn't want to give him anyways. There's no middle ground, I think, of them winning the signing. So I think they, I think it's a sign they need to make, though. I think they do better with him than trading him, really. I mean, they seem to be doing just fine without him. But I think if I'm that organization, I still want to hold on to him as an yeah. asset. Yeah, I think the only other thing about this is usually when these contract holds, holdouts happen, the guy is traded sooner rather than later mm. whether it's a year or two down the road it happened with our dear ryan o'reilly our sweet prince when he <laughs> held out in colorado it was all fine and dandy for a while there but then he got traded i know there have been some other cases recently where that's happened too so i ju- i don't know i just do not see nylander at this point becoming like a long-term fixture in the maple leafs core i could be totally wrong um but, yeah, I, th- I tend to agree with you that in the immediate term, they sign a one- or maybe two-year deal 
to just not waste a season, Mm -hmm. you know? And um, we talked about it a little bit before, but I don't know at one point we're allowed to ask if Kyle Dubas is part of the problem here. I know Mm -hmm. we're not... I, I, I guarantee you from the Toronto media's perspective, we're not supposed to ask that question yet because of all the stories you can ask about this or cover about this situation, that's not one of them that I've ever seen. Yeah, that's not the that's not the angle yet. Yeah, but the 33-year-old GM who went on 31 Thoughts podcast and confidently proclaimed that we can and we will sign all three of these guys after signing John Tavares now has Nylander unsigned with the deadline a week away, less than a week away. And he's got Marner having a phenomenal season. I, I really can't see him signing for n- under nine at the lowest, if it's anything long term, mm-hmm. and probably closer to 10, I would think. And then you've got Matthews, which in a weird way is like the easiest of the contract because it's just like, give me the most money yeah. and <laughs> we'll be fine. Done. Um, there's even rumors that that contract's basically done and they're trying to wait until Nylander's signed to like announce it so that they don't screw with those negotiations. And then on top of everything else, you know, Kasperi Kapanen's having like a is on pace for like a forty-seven or eight goal season or something. And I know people in Toronto say, yeah, but he'll just sign for three million dollars or whatever, no problem. And mm. it's like, why you guys aren't great at just signing guys for the price you think that they should just sign for? Apparently, so I don't, I don't know. I I'm not a big fan of Toronto or Toronto media as as is probably shining through. So we'll it's, see. Yeah, they talk an awful lot about how large markets like Toronto have the money. Mm-hmm. And granted, there's a there's cap cap space you know that comes into a play here. But they have the money to sign these sorts of guys. But then at the same time, they talk out the other side of their mouth and they say, well. Like you said, they should sign for like three million here or whatever. And like they know you have the money, they want you to pony up. Yeah, and the thing that's frustrating is like that. You'll also hear these people say, "Well, Nylander should know that whatever he takes on the bottom mm-hmm. for his contract is going to be more than doubled by all the money he can make just being in Toronto and all the advertisements and stuff." And it's like, yeah. He doesn't have to change his bottom line to accommodate that, mm-hmm. though. This is a league where pe- players are valued pretty consistently. You know, there are tiers of contracts, and usually the same caliber of player is valued in that same tier. Mm-hmm. He's he can't, he's not just going to be like, okay, well, I'll just say I'm a $5 million player because I can make more money in Toronto with sponsorships and whatever. Like, that's just stupid to me. I don't know. We could rant about this for a long time. It'll be settled probably by the time we next record, In or it'll court. be real interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, until then, we I guess we can move on. Uh, so it's been a long time since you and I have recorded. Mm-hmm. Uh well, <laughs> we don't know Not, that I didn't for say sure. since we tried to record. Oh, yes. Well, that's true. You could have been on the podcast last week. Mm-hmm. The whole time. The person that was hosting claimed to be our friend Justin Horniker, host of the Running Through It podcast. But, you know, you like running mm-hmm. and you like podcasting. Mm-hmm. So it could all just be a front. That's true. You've never been seen in the same place. 
So he stole my joke about being the same person, or did he? Maybe we had the same joke. It's two guys, one body. Oh my god. <laughs> um, so yes, thank you to Justin, or just to you, Ian, for hosting. I'll last take week. it. Thanks, me. Good job, Justin. You did a good job. Uh, and yeah, when we were meeting last week with whoever it was I was speaking to. Um, we haven't even factored in the possibility that the whole world is just a projection in my own mind, and therefore we're all made. <laughs> that is a weird split personality thing. Who, who am I speaking to? <laughs> Show yourself. <laughs> uh, let's move on to some of the games that led to Mike Yo's firing. Um, we talked... Whoever it was and I last week talked mm. about the Chicago one blues nothing loss that really in hindsight, I don't know how he wasn't fired then. I don't understand. It was the worst game of hockey I've ever seen played, and that was just the Blackhawks. <laughs> and we lost to that team. Well, they, so. he could have been fired for that game. He could have been fired when we lost to Columbus 7-4. Oh, yeah. He could have been fired when we lost to Minnesota 5-1. There are so many, and we'll talk about it towards the end of this podcast, there are so many times where this team looks like it's doing maybe okay and then just lays an egg mm-hmm. again. And it did that like three or four times before he got fired. Yeah. When he was in Minnesota, he became famous for like the the swoons. It was usually in January or February. They'd just go on like a seven or eight game losing streak with no warning. <laughs> and then they'd pull out of it and they'd still be a playoff team or whatever. This year, we I, I don't know if it was really a swoon. I mean, it kind of was, but it was just like night to night, you had no idea what team would show up. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, it was a bad team. <laughs> anyway, yeah, the Chicago 1 Blues nothing loss was embarrassing enough. Uh, they responded to that against the Knights, and as you can tell, we're not lingering on these games like we might usually because they're in the past. Um <laughs> The the they responded with kind of their trademark sort of like well we won, didn't we? Sort of win mm-hmm. uh by beating the Knights four to one. Granted it was in Las Vegas and and uh Marc Andre Fleury was starting and all that. So you can't take it all away from them. But I still can't really decide whether we outplayed this team or whether we were just luckier than them. Mm-hmm. Not a lot going right for the Golden Knights this year, so not that impressive to beat them at all, though they had come off like a 5 nothing victory over the Ducks earlier in the week. Um, yeah, I mean, Allen looked good, all the, except for, you know, getting beat by friggin' William Carrier on a breakaway, but, you know... That'll happen. Why would a goalie stop every a time? <laughs> you know, like why would he do that? I don't know. It's Is it their job? I don't know. I don't know. Who who who's to say? Yeah. Um, it did give us the excellent Oscar Sundquist goal reaction and the shining smile. I am still haunted by, it. <laughs> uh, but it was great. Uh, other than that, pretty forgettable game. I mean, it would just be like a standard win if your team wasn't sucking terribly all season. But for us, it was like a statement win. And the statement we made was, we still suck. And we proved that by losing to the Sharks 4 to nothing. <laughs> was it the very next night or a night or two later? I don't remember. We got reefed, yeah, by, next night. We got yeah. reefed by one of the better teams in the league, or at least what people thought would be one of the better teams in the league, 
Who's to say? <laughs> um, we did surrender Eric Carlson's first goal of the of his tenure with the Sharks. Really? He hadn't scored until that game. No. I don't know. Their Sharks are very good. Then I don't think they are. Um, we had beaten them four to nothing earlier in what was called our best effort in the season. So I guess turnabout is fair play. <laughs> you can't fire uh, you can't fire Mike Yo now because basically we're just four to four with the Sharks and we need a third game to determine yeah. which team is better. Five hundred. That's pretty good for this team. <laughs> and Jaden Schwartz got hurt. Broke his finger, according to Jeremy Rutherford, because he's the house made of glass. I, I don't know, what to, I don't know. Is he is he like fragile? Is is it uh, is it bad luck? Well, what is it? In Jr.'s um, Q and A this week on Friday, someone asked if we should think about moving on from Jaden Schwartz because he's just broken. He's just a broken player all the time. Now, granted, that's a whole nother ball of wax because, well, another team traded for a broken player. I don't know. But JR was saying, oh, well, you know, these are all just like fluky little injuries. He blocks a Tarasenko shot off his hand. He blocks a puck off of his skate, you know, last year and breaks his ankle sort of thing. Just fluky. I'm like, and you pointed out on our recording that didn't happen <laughs> that, like, these... That's not necessarily fluky. You just you're broken. You're still the one breaking. Yeah, yeah, you're still the guy that's falling apart regardless of what the cause is. Other people have blocked blocked shots with their skate and not missed two months. Yeah. you know. And I don't. I'm not trying to call. It's not like he's doing anything wrong, mm-hmm. really. But some people are just going to be more prone to injury than other people. And if he's one of those, you can't. If he's one of those, and you also consider him the straw that stirs your drink. You can't afford to be always fearing that he could be gone at any second. Yeah. Basically, you heard it here first. Jaden Schwartz has osteoporosis. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to do more weight bearing activities. Yes, which indeed. aren't hockey. Indeed, um, he's bearing the weight of this entire team. Oh. Poor Jaden. Maybe that's a problem. <laughs> maybe. Maybe his back's just worn out. Mm-hmm. He's just too tired. He's sore. He's sore all over. Maybe he's going to Alex Smith his ankle. Ooh, I didn't actually see that happen, thank God. I saw the Trocheck one, though, and that was bad enough. The so. amount of times I saw Alex Smith broken ankle and I thought, compound fracture <laughs> was too high. <laughs> Who was that that had that Edmondson originally? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's when the bone pops out your skin. <laughs> An old throwback to our old episodes. You can go check them out. You know how people love listening to hockey podcasts from a year and a half ago? Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, They're happier podcasts. That's true, kind of. Maybe. <laughs> sort of. I don't know. Depends on what time. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> Then the final straw in the Mike Yo era was the Blues 2-0 loss to the Los Angeles Kings, the very, very worst team in the league. Mm-hmm. Even worse than we are. <laughs> um, they got shut out by the 24-year-old Calvin Peterson, who I believe is their four-string goalie, because Quick was hurt, and the other guy they had backing up was hurt, and I guess Dudai didn't play, so Calvin Peterson, <laughs> you get the nod tonight, boys. And what does it say about them that they're willing to start our fourth group, fourth, their fourth best goalie against us? I don't know. It says something. I just, I just think about that for a bit. Anyway, there's really nothing more to say about this loss than that it was just awful. 
awful, awful. They sort of tried towards the end in typical Blues fashion. Loser hockey. In typical Blues fashion, we made a 1-0 deficit seem like a 10 to nothing deficit by the fact that we tried our damnedest and still couldn't possibly <laughs> have scored a goal. We could have had 30 more minutes of that level of effort in that game, and we still would have lost. They <laughs> that- buried an empty netter at the end. I think it was an empty yeah. netter. It might have been a breakaway. Was it empty? Yep. And it was 2 nothing, and the rest was history. That was the saddest game I've ever seen live. That was oh, yeah, you were the at that. saddest game. Give us your impressions. Tell us about any fans that were or weren't in your vicinity. <laughs> I, was, I was the saddest. Man, does any of this seem rehearsed, people? <laughs> we're almost done with the rehearsed part that never got rehearsed. You'll notice it when it just goes off the fucking rails. <laughs> um, oh, boy. No, they played the goal horn between periods. You know, period's about to start. Get your seats, goal horn. And I told mm-hmm. my dad, I was like, that's the only time they play this goal horn tonight. And no, I was right. And I was so happy to be right. <laughs> I honestly rooted against this team enough internally that when the whenever it was the rookie that scored his first goal against the Blues, I literally slapped my knee and yelled, hot dog, when he scored. <laughs> because I was so happy... I wanted this team to just crater. I think the dude next to me gave me some weird luck because, I mean, what? I don't. <laughs> yeah, one, I'm wearing a blue sweater and I'm cheering for the Kings, but also probably the hot dog part. Um, yes, there was a guy behind me. That was a know-it-all hockey fan, and it was ridiculous. Well, he knew nothing. No, he knew fucking nothing. <laughs> like, we're on this podcast, but we don't claim to, like, really know anything. I mean, if you want to call me out on, like, anything, I'll just agree. I'm like, yeah, you're probably <laughs> right. i like a cookie, I promise <laughs> yeah. you. I but, oh, this guy was talking about the Kings and their unstoppable... No, what do you say? I won't, I won't go too far. He didn't say unstoppable. He They're was like, oh. Indefatigable trap game. Yeah, he was like, you can't beat a team that's playing a trap game as well as the Kings. And there's a heavier, bigger team. What are the Blues supposed to do? So first of all, they're supposed to, like, change their game to beat it. That's like a yo problem. But then it was like, also, this team can't have an amazing trap game. They're 31st in the league. <laughs> their trap game's awful. That's probably why they're 31st in the league, really. In a speed league, they're like, let's play the trap um, he also said weird <laughs> crap like this. We shouldn't be booing this team. You don't understand why players or why fans were booing this team at all. I'm like, really? You don't get it? He was like, we're only five points out of a, I guess at that point, like a wild card playoff spot. I was like, do you not know all the other things that led up to this point? Have you watched any of the other games? I also like, you're five points out in November. Uh-huh. It's not. Jan, I don't know when would that even be acceptable, but like if you're like five points out in February, but you were 12 points out in January, mm-hmm. then don't be the team. But if you're five points out before Thanksgiving, I, I'm i at a loss for yeah. words. The number of hot takes in this fan base. Our, our friend, or maybe it was just you, Justin, sent us a tweet the other day of somebody saying, it's almost like Bergwind and Savoka were a big part of this team's defense. And he wasn't even using this, the SpongeBob meme, although it sounds like he was. Um, and then he said something like, you know, just saying. I, or like, I yeah, I said it, something like that. And I'm like, yeah, you said something stupid. Are you proud of yourself? <laughs> 
so uh, uh, <laughs> that's the rest of the podcast is a freaking throat noise. <laughs> Oh, it should uh, be. Uh, so, uh, this, uh, so, I don't Let's try and put ourselves in the mindset of Monday night. All right. The Blues have lost two to nothing. There's no news. There's not even that, oh, the Blues, the, the, the doors are closed. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. Mike Yo gives his regular post-game remarks, yada, yada, yada. You're just like, okay. Did you tweet at me, though, Darren Millard, who's like, the lead anchor on like Hockey Night in Canada mm-hmm. or whatever, like was saying, if I'm a blues beat writer, I don't I don't turn my phone on yeah. silent. And I was like, oh shit, that's like a national Canadian guy. Yeah, being there like, were two guys. I think Down Goes Brown had one too. Which I mean, admittedly, he's a little more comedy, but he is like a national athletic reporter, and he said something like, I forget what it was, but like the boys have oh the boys had gotten shut out by the other two teams that had fired their. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like oh he, he had to. Oh my god! No wonder Army looked like he wasn't like bothered with firing Yo's yeah, presser because like, like, well, I had to. Don't you get it? From all the boxes were checked. Yeah, I didn't even I, do anything. He just kind of fired. Uh, <laughs> He's just kind of gone. He came to me and asked. He was I like, mean, "So is this the time?" He goes, "My job should be in question." <laughs> Him stormed into my office and demanded that I fire him. <laughs> uh, but we're sitting there on that night. We're sitting there and we're like, "Oh, so it's just not tonight then?" And yeah. like, I'm, I'm still telling myself, "Okay, they'll do it in the morning." And like people usually do this sh- stuff in the morning. The mm-hmm. other two teams have. We just have to wait, yada, yada, yada. And then, like, a bolt of lightning, it just happens. Two minutes after the Monday night football game ends, which was a banger between the Chiefs and the... I should have watched that. Formerly erstwhile St. Louis Rams. While Los Angeles was stealing the hopes and dreams of any Missourians that had any hopes and dreams left to begin with, um, Doug Armstrong was talking to Mike Yo. And Mike Yo was fired. Uh, let's see. Yo finished his Blues tenure on a 73, 49, and 11 record. Uh, but if you subtract the 22, 8, and 2 start when he took over for Hitchcock, it was 51, 41, and 9 all told, which is still way over Batman 500. <laughs> so hooray! Um... <laughs> Let me ask you two questions, Ian. And now we're to the part of the show that even we've never heard before. (laughs) When people look back on the Mike Yo era, if you can even call it that, in, let's say, five years, what will they say about it? Oh, boy. (laughs) Will they remember anything? (laughs) Um, Man, I don't know. I think it's people like Mike Yo. Uh-huh. I like. I think Mike was a nice guy. Yeah, I don't think he was like a bad person. I he seemed have, like a good with a guy with really good intentions. I would have loved Mike Yo to succeed on this. Team. Yeah, not, really. Uh huh. Really, like he's not. Yeah, like, yeah. like by the time Hitchcock was done here, was coming to his end, I was like, get this an asshole <laughs> out of here, you know. But I never felt that way with Yo. I was just like, you have to though. Like mm. you have to. That's just the first step. Yeah. Honestly, in the grand scheme of things, and talk about it some more DSMR later. With keys rattling <laughs> on by the microphone, my bad. People love it. <laughs> People are into it. Um, 
I think this is going to be the beginning of the, the end. end. Of the beginning of, of the, the end. end. <laughs> you know, like when the phoenix dies to rise from the ashes? Well, first, it has to die. <laughs> and I think Mike Yo being fired would need to happen, but this is killing the bird. we got to kill the bird. And I think this is going to be viewed as, oh, they fired Mike Yo. That's the first step before maybe, eventually, Armstrong's gone and this team slowly starts over. That's yep. my optimistic ground, reading of it. Ground zero. Mm-hmm. We'll be 32. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, uh, I really think people will just think it's, I don't know, mis- a mismanaged era. Yeah. Really. I think it'll be maybe more more look like the beginning of, like you're saying, the beginning of the end of the Armstrong era mm-hmm. than like really Mike Yo's fault. You think Mike Yo gets another head coaching opportunity? He's only 45. Um, maybe in like five years. He strikes me as a guy that's going to be a assistant coach somewhere. He'll first. definitely assist somewhere. Mm-hmm. He's not going. St- I wouldn't think after two firings you go straight back to a head coaching role. Mm-hmm. But do you think he earns his way back? Maybe. Maybe he like manages a, you know, a CHL team or something for a while, or coaches in college, and he's that guy that comes back. I don't know. It'd I could cool. see it. Like you said, he's got plenty of time ahead of him to coach. I could see it for sure. But yeah. I think, yeah, he'll definitely start on like kind of a slower tier again before he makes it back up to head coach. Maybe he'll want, he'll maybe he'll coach his former OHL team, the Sudbury Wolves, for whom he once scored sixty six points in a season. Mike Yo did that. Yeah, but juniors are so anybody can <laughs> score points in the OHL. Yeah. Just put them on the board. Uh, final question about Mike Yo. I'm sure we'll talk more about Mike Yo in this podcast. How would you evaluate the coach and waiting experiment now? Oh, it's like a G minus, <laughs> <laughs> like one below a F and then some. What? You saw the press conference, mm-hmm. right? So did you see Jr. ask him about that and him just like taking? It felt like two minutes. I'm sure it was only like five to ten seconds of silence to like reflect on it. Oh, he. Arm- I don't think he saw that question coming at mm. all. Armstrong like over-explained it too. That's one of those things where someone catches you in like a weird lie and you kind of like over-explain stuff to try and get out of it. He was like, "Oh, I mean, at the time it looked really good, and I mean, we're still not embarrassed about it today because really." It's kind of worked out in the end because we had a guy that was going to eventually leave anyways and was only here for a year, and so we wanted somebody already, and we wanted to get our guy. And Mike Yo is our guy, and he was still our guy, and I'm still like I'm fine with picking him, and that's A-OK, and it just didn't work out, and that's all right, but we're glad we did what we did. And I'm like, no, He was trying no. really hard not to bury either himself or Yo in the course of yeah, that. Yeah, like, why don't you screwed up? <laughs> okay, someone screwed up, and they're like, yes. Someone did, but none of us. I get and the, like, the I, and I get the professional respect there, but like when he's sitting out there saying Mike Yo's paying for my sins, then uh, I'm like, then you fix it. You do something, then. Uh, um, one of the interesting points he did make in that, and we'll talk about the press conference in detail here in a minute. But one of the interesting points he did make, which I hadn't really thought about, which I think says volumes about what our next coaching search is going to be, is he pointed out that when he brought Mike Yo on as the coach in waiting, 
he did it right after our conference final season. Mm-hmm. That was the next season. And he did it having been told by Hitchcock that Hitchcock only wanted to coach one more season. And so the point he made was he was basically trying to bring in a coach who could keep some continuity with the Hitchcock era. So when we looked at firing Hitchcock, it's like, okay, we're finally taking off the oppressive yoke of this guy who the players have just totally quit on because they're tired of his style and his attitude and his strawberry milkshakes. I don't know that Armstrong looked at it that way. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all know he didn't want to fire Hitchcock, but like, I don't know that he didn't think... In reality, this is me trying to like put a fresh face on this same era and salvage it. And so when we look at our next head coaching change, one of the reasons I really don't think Barube has much of a snowflake's chance in hell of being extended as the head coach is I think he knows that he wants a clean break in leadership Mm -hmm. from that group. I mean, that doesn't mean top to bottom every coach has to be fired or anything, but like I think he wants to bring in a voice from outside the organization that wasn't any part of the Yo Hitchcock era. Yeah. And I think he should. I don't know if this fits in our conversation at all, but this seems like the only time to really bring it up. Yeah, because we have such strict <laughs> guidelines on what you could bring up freaking Castlevania remakes and we'd just talk about it for 10 minutes. Okay. So go ahead. Maybe I will. <laughs> I still got to watch that show on Netflix. So there. Uh, well, don't we it's, all? It's supposed to be good. Um, we had a really strong like coaching group here for a while with Hitchcock. Not that I we need him around, but like Hitchcock, uh, Mueller, 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 mm-hmm. Mueller, Bradshaw. Mueller, Bradshaw, a couple of these guys that were like fantastic here. And then I've heard just rumors and rumblings, and it's just people on message boards saying that like for a while there, in that fifteen sixteen season when Hitchcock was coaching this team, that really it was almost like he was coaching through. Kirk Muller. Mm-hmm. Like, Kirk Muller was, like, the more of the player coach and, like, helped this team figure out what they need to do because they weren't going to yell at Kirk Muller. They were going to yell at Ken Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. And that seemed like somewhere in there we, like, lost a lot of that. We lost a lot of, like, a coaching um, team. group, yeah. team, and it's now it's just a guy and there's some other dudes there, well, like, if that makes sense. Like, now it kind of seems like it's... It never felt like, yo... With Van Ryn and with Barube and yeah. with these guys, that just or even the who they had before, Daryl Sador and those guys, it just always felt like just Mike Yo. Well, and it feels so strange too this year because I mean, Yo is an experienced quote unquote head coach in the yeah. NHL, but he's still only forty five, and so it's kind of strange to me that they're like. Mike Van Ryn and Steve Ott have never coached before anywhere. You disciple them now, mm-hmm. you know that's. That's giving Mike Yo more responsibilities. That's not really making them coaches. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you do that if, with an experienced coach. Like, you could put Steve Ott on, I won't even say Joel Quinville to avoid the hot button topic, but, like, put Steve Ott on Elaine Vigneault's staff, and mm-hmm. Vigneault can take him under his wing and, like, teach him the ropes. But, like, Mike Yo has to coach the team. And so you make a really good point. I wonder if he was really trying to put out all the fires, you know? And, like, a lot of... Because early on when everybody wasn't, like, 100% on the, like, okay, it's time for you to go, there was a lot of, like, well, really, Mike Van Ryn's making the decision on Jay Bomeister and whatever. I don't and I'm think like, so. Well, even if he was... It's still Yo's ultimate responsibility. Mm-hmm. Like, if a middle manager makes 
a terrible mistake in accounting or whatever that costs the company billions of dollars. They're going to be fired, but so is whoever's in charge of them, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, yeah. And like, and also you're going to ask Mike Van Ryn, who's all of like two years, Jay Bomeister senior to go out there and be like, okay, Jay, you're sitting now. Like, not that Mike Yo's that much more experienced than Jay Bomeister, but it's at least his job. The Mm -hmm. buck stops with him sort of thing. You know, I just don't, that's a really good point that I hadn't thought about. And I do really wonder, like, I I hadn't even thought as much about Kirk Muller. I'd thought more about Brad Shaw. Like, I wonder if he was, like, a hidden gem here who was, like, keeping that defense as tight as it was for so long. Because it certainly hasn't seemed to be the same since he left, Mm -hmm. whether that's him or not. I mean, they shouldn't have just forgotten what he coached them. But whether that's really his doing or just kind of a spurious correlation, I don't know. But it certainly seems to be... Uh, More than a coincidence, I guess. So um, the Blues have moved on for the time being. You mentioned him to Craig Berube, uh, which I'm constantly going to mispronounce. I know it's just Berube, but I feel like Berube sounds better, so forgive me. But anyway, Mm -hmm. Craig Berube uh, is the former head coach of the Chicago Wolves for a season in which they won the Central Division and um, finished Word I I added it here somewhere maybe I didn't finish like uh, with a good record <laughs> oh no right. I put it up higher uh, forty four nineteen eight and five oh they, wow they do shootout losses separate in their goalkeeping or in their scorekeeping uh, you took some notes about Berube overall as just a player and a coach so why don't you tell us that yeah Craig Berube played over a thousand games he played a th- 1,054 NHL regular season games between 86 and 2003, which... One of 321 players ever to meet that mark. I had no idea that he was, like, such a prominent player. Now, granted, he was more of, like, an enforcer, and I think his best season was maybe 20 points in Mm. an era where people scored nonstop. He had, like, 169 for that career. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He, He fought nonstop. My dad remembers him fighting people all the time. Uh, maybe not like the best fighter, but also not the worst, just kind of middling or whatever. <coughs> sometimes beat Tony Twist, sometimes didn't beat Tony Twist. There you go. That's your guy. Mm. But it's kind of nice. I think lots of former player coaches tend to be players that weren't Born fantastic. Yeah. yeah, because they have to, we've talked about this before, they have to learn the game themselves. They have to think the game right. and be a student of the game because they're not Wayne Gretzky and they're not just <laughs> gifted by God. I've always thought that. And I heard, you know, I think Steve Dangle or Adam Lyle, one of them, made the point recently of like, what's Wayne Gretzky going to tell a player? Go be like me? Like, yeah. <laughs> that's all he knows. Shane, Shane Doan, go play like me. It's like, I can't. I'm <laughs> pretty good and I still can't get anywhere close. So like. Break his stick over his knee. I'm Shane Doan. Okay. <laughs> I can't do you. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I just, yeah, I think that's a good point. I think. It's rare to see even, like, a thousand-game player be a head coach because mm. usually it's like, you know, Yo was a hockey player. He was a decent junior player at one point, and he still never cracked the NHL. Mm-hmm. You know, Hitchcock never played anywhere as far as I know. But, like, yep. most of these guys are guys who have a career in hockey but 
had to, like you say, learn the game. Mm-hmm. And I think for Blues fans, blue-collar fans, they'll just like that he was enforcer. So he, you would think he brings a toughness to like his coaching game, mm-hmm. both in how he coaches and like what he coaches these players to do. Plus his nickname is Chief. Mm-hmm. He's part Cree, C-R-E-E, which I guess is a native Canadian <laughs> tribe. A brand of Native American. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so there's that. Yeah. I don't know if we're allowed to call him chief. I mean, we're allowed to, but like, are we allowed I don't, to? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, people do. Darren Pang does it, and he's whiter than milk, so <laughs> it can't be that racist. If Darren Pang does something, you're allowed to do it. <laughs> he's kind of like the rule. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, he also, he ended up coaching, I believe, Philadelphia's minor league team for a while. The, the Adirondack Phantoms. Yeah, thank you. I was like the something-something Phantoms. <laughs> uh, then I think he was a, an assistant coach for them for a while when they were going through a little leadership change. He got sent back down to be the Phantoms head coach again. And then eventually in thirteen fourteen, after the Flyers went 0-3 under Peter Laviolette, he got brought on, Wolf well, Laviolette got fired, and then Brube got promoted to being the Flyers head coach that year. Which... What a strange decision. 0-3? Like, he was on a hot enough seat that you were going to fire him after 0-3 and and you didn't just fire him in the offseason? That's what I mean. 0-3? Really? That must have been just nasty games, (laughs) I guess. Or like you said, if it's that hot a seat, why even bother waiting? Yeah, those were all the articles I kind of skimmed about it was like, okay, so why now? Like, what? (laughs) <laughs> that was what? basically Oh, <laughs> uh, did he get did Peter Lavi like get hired before we got rid of Hitchcock or after? I feel like it was right before. Yeah. Like right before, before he signed on for his last season. Yeah. yeah. Because I remember thinking, man, I wish we would have fired Hitchcock and we could have picked up Laviolette. Because it was when Trotz went to Oh Washington. Washington, yep, right? You're right. So thirteen fourteen, Brubay's Flyers do really well. They're forty two, twenty seven, and ten. With the 0 and 3 under Laviolette. They're third in the Metropolitan. They're ninth in the goals for. They're 20th in goals against. So, you know, pretty good offense, not the greatest defense, but special teams really good. Eighth on the power play, seventh on the PK. They have Steve Mason in the net that year. He starts 60 games. He gets 0.917 save percentage, which is pretty good. A 2.5 goals against average, not so bad. They lost in seven games to the Rangers in the first round. He was hired in 2014. Okay. To cut in. Oh, gotcha. That's your answer. I still think we should have fired Hitchcock in order to get Peter Laviolette. So, a really good... Laviolette also never rose above the AHL as a player. He's American, too, isn't he? He is. American boy. Providence Bruins. San Diego goals. If Canada gets to thump their chest so much about people being Canadian, I think we should be able to be like, America. Yeah. Get me that Laviolette. Stars and Bars, which is not what that is, actually, I suppose. <laughs> stars and Bars is the South. Gross. You know. <laughs> Aren't they? But they're like both Stars and Bars, yeah. right? And stars also, and Stripes, that's what it is. And also... We're all learning today. You just have a 50-minute stream of consciousness yeah. conversation. I'm trying to back out <laughs> of sounding like a Southerner. Because nonstop when I was in Minnesota for college, like, oh, you're like a Southerner. And I'm like, what? <laughs> no. We're dead in the middle of this country. And they're like, well, you're south from us. And I'm like, I was south from you. Are they the south? Are they? Minnesotans? No! Okay, good. Is Rochester, Minnesota the south? Because it's south of the Twin Cities. Stupid state. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Ian, as you can tell, big fan of Minnesota <laughs> and all things Minnesota. It's cold and dead. 
not Craig Much Bar- like my heart. <laughs> I was like not Craig Berube's Flyers of thirteen fourteen. Pretty good. It makes sense why they keep him on for the next year. I don't know if they ever use interim as a you know title form at that point or not. But they keep him for fourteen fifteen. The Flyers don't do quite as well. 33, 31, and 18 Steve that year. Steve Mason was this good ever for oh, the yeah. <laughs> Flyers? That, so they have, they're sixth in the Metropolitan. They don't make the playoffs in 14, 15. They're 22nd in goals for. They're 24th in goals against. So bad on both ends of the ice. They're third on the power play. I remember this specifically. It's 24th, 24th worst. Like 24th worst, 23 yes. teams allow fewer goals yep. than you? Okay. Yeah. So they're third on the power play, which I remember specifically because this is like, oh, the Flyers are only good at one thing that year, and it's the power play, and mm-hmm. that's the only place they score from. They're 27th on the PK, but yes, Steve Mason starts 48 games that year as a .925 save percentage and a 2.25 goals against average, which just means they have to be letting up How a boatload of shots. bad do you have to be? Yeah. Holy cow, you're losing, but your goalie is like playing oh, out of his mind. Oh, boy. So they miss the playoffs. They end up firing Brube, I believe, that summer. And uh, he ends up going... I think it might have been even, like, right before... No, I guess because they had a full record that year. Yeah. But yeah it was right. probably pretty soon after, I'm, yeah, if I remember right correctly. After. He goes out uh, his career there. Clip, clip. Sorry. What's that? Go on. <laughs> what? Just what? ignore me. Excuse me? Just ignore me. <laughs> 75, 58, and 28 is the total yep. for... Brube in Philadelphia, and yeah. I've never said anything else this whole time. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, uh, an okay history. I think this is what, having researched it, I'll always go back to in my head with like, well, this is kind of why I don't think he's the permanent coach here. You can always learn. Coaches get better. I'm, I would say Joel Quinville somehow managed to get better, you know, after coaching us and everything. So coaches can get better, but if you're going to tell me, well, Craig Brube should be the coach next year, other than whatever his record is here by the end of the season, I kind of look at his body of work before this and go, eh, I'm always going to be iffy. Yeah, and the other thing about it is he's in the same mold as Yo in the sense that, like, they were both chased out of their first ever job. Yeah. And, like, that's just not a tonal shift to me. Like, either get a, a brand new guy and throw crap at the wall, you know, or get mm-hmm. a, an established guy where even if it's like Vigneault or or Quinville where they were fired, it's like, well, but we sort of know what they are now, you know? Yeah, that's. I think it's going to be very rough if they end up going with, like, another guy that got chased out of his job. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be, this, I guess, I think is going to be Armstrong's last coach. Not Baruby, but whoever he hires after yeah. him. So Which make is a why count army. He'll just never remove the interim tag. <laughs> and he'll never <laughs> he goes, this is my last coach. <laughs> this is still the guy in between. He's been an interim for four years. <laughs> I, had a, I had a professor at the University of Minnesota that was a visiting professor uh-huh. or something like that. But for like 15 years, <laughs> he was like, I'm from Harvey Mudd in California. And I'm like, okay, but when did you last teach there? He's like, oh, I don't know. 1997. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So you're just here. <laughs> yeah. He's like, my family lives back there. I'm like, okay. So you're estranged. <laughs> <laughs> so they don't love you. Oh, that's, that's sad. <laughs> Pull one out for Mr. Harvey Mudd. Not the original one, but this guy. Doesn't I, like, have that I don't remember his name. <laughs> he looked like a trucker. So, and he taught physics too. <laughs> Don't all our physics teachers look like truckers? <laughs> Mr. Koski, second shout out on the Two Guys No Cup podcast. I guess. 
Uh, well, I didn't know your name. <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> All right, so um, a couple of questions were asked about Barube in JR's chat, which was on Friday, which was when we didn't record this podcast. Mm-hmm. You have want to talk about those real quick? Oh, yes. So question from a fan, a fan of JR's. I can't remember the name. I don't have it written down here, but... They asked, with Craig Berube having been behind the bench with Mike Yo for all of the last season and now this, how much different can we expect things to be now that he is running the show? Didn't he already have a considerable amount of influence? And then JR had two points to make. You said Berube had an influence, but he didn't have the final say. He's also done a but few Mike things. Mike Van Ryan did. Yeah, Mike Van Ryan most certainly <laughs> did. <laughs> that young, young buck <laughs> got all the say in the world. Uh, he said he's also done a few things differently with the line combos, etc. Also, like when Yo took over and there was a new feeling around the team, I think you can feel a little bit of that now, too. You sure can't. I know. I was like, mm-mm. He said, I spoke to a few of the players today for an upcoming story I'm writing about Baruby, and they all raved about his communication skills. Robert Thomas said that Baruby skated up to him this morning, told him he had a great game in Nashville, and wanted him to focus on having a better forecheck tonight. So they may not be big, noticeable strategic changes, but there are little differences that make us probably make most of us probably won't see or hear. Make was not in that sense. <laughs> yeah, no, if it was, I'd make most. Yes. Um, yeah, I think that's, I mean, we'll talk about it. I don't think he's staying either, but I think that's the difference is it's just a new voice. Mm -hmm. I know it's not an excuse and it's not Yo's fault, but you sometimes get tired of the same voice you've heard. And so it's at least a new voice. Um, let's go through Armstrong's press conference. I basically transcribed it here in our notes, so I'm not going to read all of that. Um, Obviously did kind of the typical decision. They're kind of, you know, this was a tough decision. It wasn't Mike's fault. Yeah, yeah. Sins of our generation. Sins of God <laughs> himself sort of stuff. You think he's Catholic? I, I might be. You think he is? I don't know. It's a lot about sins. Um, like, Got to answer for them. <laughs> pay for them. Say blood Hail for Mary's blood. For them. Um, yeah, so he introduced Barube. Barube had a, had a brief... Kind of like Super in and out brief. before chat before practice, and he basically said stuff like, uh, "We gotta instill confidence in this team that starts in practice, and it involves me being more demanding." Confidence, practice, and demanding were the three big words taken away from the Craig Berube portion of this press conference. Mm-hmm. So, um, when Armstrong took over again. Uh, he talked about how you start out as co-workers with a coach and then you become friends and then you go back to co-workers. He's paying for the sins of myself and the entire organization. It's very unfortunate. Uh, he explained that Larry Robinson is going to jump in on Craig Berube's staff for a month or so um, and Ott's coming down to the bench as well. He hadn't been on the bench this season, had he? No. Um, he'd always been in the press box, I believe. Ro- yeah. Robinson is uh, a Hall of Fame player and... A Stanley Cup winning coach, I believe, right? He was in New Jersey when they won one of their cups. I think he was. Maybe sure. I'm making that up. But what um, are we talking about? Larry Robinson. <laughs> I have no idea. Okay, well, you know, I'm going. I'm winging it. I'm saying it's true. Anyway, uh, he <laughs> don't um, fact check us. He <laughs> he is. Uh, he's been a special advisor to the team since I think last season, right? Mm-hmm. He's been around. Um, but he's now. 
jumping behind the bench again. Yes, the New Jersey Devils won the Stanley Cup in 1990 and 2000 was when they won it, the 99-2000 season with him at the helm. So, suck it. There you go. Take he that, co- wait, nerds. He coached, <laughs> he coached eight games that season. What the fuck? He coached eight games and won... Take that, nerds. I'm very confused. We're going to just read this Wikipedia article on the air. Uh, <laughs> named interim head coach. Yeah, with eight games left in the season. Sure. Why not? Okay, and he won the Stanley Cup. Folks, anything can so happen. So we can win the Stanley Cup this year. He was assigned to the bench because he knows what it's like to be an interim head coach that wins the Stanley Cup. There's the brightest hot taker getting out of this yep. podcast. Um... <laughs> What, uh, f- just a few of the kind of big highlights uh, Armstrong talked about. He was talking about consistent plays from our top players, and he said, we're not good enough. We've stayed patient with a core group of players, and that patience now is at its thinnest point. Um, JR kind of hit him with a quote then from the Hitch press conference in which he said similar sort of things, and he joked about hating the press conference because they had better memories than he does, and he says the equity the core group has built up is gone. The next time we're having this conversation, there are going to be core players that are gone, which, like, the next time we're having this conversation, you're not having it, Doug. But anyway, uh, he said that group is eight or nine, uh, players not three and they have to get us out of here so i think he's kind of sheltering the people with the letters when he says that um which would be petro and tarasenko and steen uh and he says we need our best players to be our best players uh he kind of i don't know other people have read this differently both adam wild of the steve dangle podcast and Pierre lebrun read armstrong's take on this is like the preference is that brube becomes the head coach and I think that's only true in the extent that like Armstrong would like this team to like rebound and win the Stanley Cup this year but mm-hmm. like I don't think he's expecting that um he kind of talked about sorry do you want to say something or I was just confused as to why they've thought that because then he goes on to talk about searching up and down for any other yeah. possible coach and he made a real big point of it it wasn't just kind of like a throwaway line he talked about it Pretty emphatically. Extensively, yeah. He talked about Barube as cauterizing the wound. And then he said, we're going to start the process of putting a list together of head coaches. He said there are going to be experienced head coaches on that list, going to be European head coaches on that list, college head coaches, major junior head coaches. We're not going to minimize or limit the scope that we're going to look at. Um, so, yeah, that came off to me as like, no, Barube is not staying on as the answer for this organization, mm-hmm. we're bringing in an outside voice. Um, someone asked him if he'd hire a p- permanent coach in this season. He said, it's possible. I'm not sure it's probable, but it's possible. And he says they won't be talking about it again until the head coach is up there next to him. Um, he did get asked at some point about kind of Quinville. Uh, he said somebody asked him about free agent coaches and he chuckled and says, well, anyone that's not working is probably free. Uh, and he said, our net is wide. There's experienced coaches, not just probably the one that you're referring to, but there's some other ones that have had a lot of success that we're going to put on our to-do list. Uh, this is going to be a group of coaches that we're going to see if they fit our criteria and if we fit their criteria. Um, and then he finally said, 
you know, it's, he was asked about the leadership group, which, again, he said wasn't just Petrangelo and whoever. And he was asked to grade them, and he just kind of glibly said, well, obviously below average. He said, uh, the equity has evaporated with these players, and it's no longer relevant what I feel. It's what they do. Um, he said Craig Berube was responsible for kind of managing younger players' playing times, and he had to put the best team out to win. Um, but he also said you don't want to play players for what they've done in the past, for for what they're going to do. Um, and he talked a little bit about trades, saying they've had lots of discussions prior to today, which was Tuesday, um, about how to try and improve this team. Um, it's just something we need to continue to improve on. Players have decisions to make over the next few years, and we've got decisions to make. Which is interesting, because when he says players have decisions to make, it implies that he's talking about contract decisions, which we kind of highlight guys like Shin and Petrangelo and other guys that have contracts up in the near future rather than, Mm -hmm. you know, like Tarasenko who's locked down long-term. And then he talked a little bit about how it was frustrating for the team to say they were getting outworked. And then somebody asked him about Hitchcock and we were off to the races. So sorry that we kind of flew through that, but I didn't want to give you like a long word for word breakdown. You've all probably heard the press conference. Um, What are your thoughts overall from everything that he said and everything that was left unsaid? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, when he talked about core players, he kind of broke, well, he broke the player base into like three. It was like veterans that he thinks has met, have met expectations. He talked about young really? players. Yeah. Jay Bowmeister's met your expectations? These Maybe old... he just had freaking rock bottom expectations. <laughs> for Maybe Bowmeister. he just knows he's going to be gone. Like <laughs> yeah. you said, maybe this is the weird, like, look, he met my expectations in the sense that we're not trading him for anything and he's just going to walk at the end of the year. Yeah. So you know, what do you want me to do about or this hobble. mess? Yeah, <laughs> he carted off. <laughs> so I kind of get that. You're saying Steen, who I think has actually looked pretty good when healthy, and you, I don't know, Bozak and Perron, because they're older guys you just traded for, signed for, um, <laughs> are, have done all right. And then he said young guys need to play better, but they also need to be led by the core leaders of this group. And then he talked about seven or eight so guys. That? That's Dunn Thomas. Dunn Thomas. Barbershop Blay. Yeah. The young ones. Kairou for this cup of water mm-hmm. out there. I think they even tossed in like Fabry and stuff because while he's played a season and a half, it's yeah. been a while, he's still young. So then you have the core group of seven or eight players that's pretty much Petrangelo, Pareko, Edmondson, Schwartz, Tarasenko, Shen, Allen, I guess O'Reilly because he's played as a core player. But really, he's part of those seven or eight, but he's the only one leading by example of those like seven or eight. So he's kind of out there. Yeah, I think his 27,000 points Mm -hmm. will be just fine. So those are the guys that you're going to see traded there might be other guys in the package with them but if they're gonna start shaking up this team and this roster it's not gonna be tyler bozak because it's five million for the next you know each three years is you know hemorrhaging this team money wise uh it's not gonna be like that a, was sarcasm just to be yeah clear. <laughs> it's not gonna be in case that didn't come across yes it's not gonna be uh Robert Thomas or something because they really need you know a a win now player or something. It's going to be the core group that's been here, that's not getting it done. It's going to be a Schwartz, or a Shen, or I mean you're going up the line here, Tarasenko or Petrangelo. I think those are a little less likely, but those are the yeah, those are the guys cer- that are going to get certainly moved. Certainly in season, you would think mm-hmm. those are the least likely. 
So I kind of liked him finally for once, talking about core players being a problem. I think in previous previous uh, coach firings, he's talked about players being an issue, and now it's up to the players to play, and he just kind of talks about the players as some giant you know player blob. But now he's kind of whittling his way down to like, okay, these guys that have been here for a while, this is all on them. So I liked that part. He also talked about loser hockey, which was my other favorite thing about someone, I don't know what the question was, and it might not have even oh, been yeah, about right this. Oh, yeah, right at the end, yeah. But someone was, he basically started talking about, you know, when we're playing well or we're playing with fire and a little more tenacity in a third period and we take over a third period, but we've been down by three or four goals, I don't care that we're playing better. We're down by three or four goals. That's the only reason we're playing better. That's the only reason the other team's sitting back on their heels and it's loser hockey. He's like, I put, like, zero stock into that. I'm glad to hear that much because, I mean, I don't think he's an idiot. So he has to know that that's the only reason we're playing better at that point. Anybody does. Mm-hmm. So I'm just glad that he called that out. Other than those two things, I really thought it was just a really blah presser. Yeah, I mean, he said some stern stuff, but it didn't seem like it was driven enough. I, You know, it didn't come parts out. Parts of it seemed like he didn't really care all that much. If I'm being, if yeah. I'm, that's being a really hot take sort of thing, but... Watching him, he just kind of seemed very relaxed about it. Maybe that's better than being over-the-top angry. Mm-hmm. Maybe that doesn't do your team all that much good. But he just seemed very like, yeah, we'll figure it out. And I'm like, well, okay, but you only have, you only have so much time, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think well, I heard some people say he sounded like wishy-washy or unsure, and I don't think it was that. I just think he sounded kind of like disinterested. <laughs> I know. I, he, he laughed at quite a bit in this one, and that's nice, but it was also kind of, like, weird. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's I mean, I'm also someone, someone that thought it was weird that he was crying in the last press conference when he fired Hitchcock. Find so. a middle ground, bud. Just, like, you know, <laughs> even keel it out there, buddy. <laughs> um, yeah, it was strange. Uh, so I guess from that, with Craig Berube at the helm, we can move on to... The Craig Brube era. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Woo! Uh, the Blues played the National Predators on the 21st, which was Wednesday, right before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Joel Edmondson just fell apart in this game. He was just like God spilled a person. I don't know what happened. I mean, he's fine. You know, I don't think it's a permanent, but he just had a couple of big blunders. Uh I was amazed consistently by our total inability to box out anyone, anyone at all, in the entire ice. And I hate the Predators. Those were kind of my first big thoughts about (laughs) this game. Robert Thomas scored his first goal finally, and it was a snipe. Mm -hmm. It looked great, and I love him, and he is my very own child. (laughs) He is the child that I raised from a pup. Um, Philip Forsberg scored on a shorthanded breakaway because, of course, Braden Shin made a boneheaded pass that he just intercepted and took away. And did Jake Allen save this breakaway shot? No. no but I mean, of course not. Is, is it his job? No. I don't know. It's not, but is it, it is. Is, is but it his job not. to save the puck but ever? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Is it? I don't know. It's like the Tootsie Pop question. The world will just. Never know. Yeah. Uh, Austin Watson saw someone who was vulnerable and assaulted them with a goal, uh, which he intercepted along the half boards after Jake Allen tried to flip it to Edmondson. I'm sorry. He's a shit human being. (laughs) I'm never going to not make jokes because otherwise I have to talk about him seriously. I don't want to do that either. Um, He's a scumbag. 
Uh, he scored a goal, and then they got an empty netter. Again, this is not a big in-detail rundown that we usually do because we don't have time, and you don't want to suffer through that. Um, basically, 4-1 uh, to one was the final score. And I kind of asked our Twitter followers whether they thought the effort was better or not. Um, and there were kind of differing responses. Baron Becker said, I didn't see the max effort from anyone besides the Thomas line, but on the bright side, we might get Jack Hughes. It's really come to that. <laughs> we are really there, Baron. We're right there with you. Um, Blues fans in Kansas, Blues fan in Kansas said the compete level was far better. This team just doesn't have that much talent, which I'm not sure I agree with. I don't, I don't think it's a talent issue on this mm-hmm. team overall. Well, here's the thing. Maybe, maybe, I don't really even believe this, but maybe we're not talented enough to be a playoff team, but we're certainly talented enough to be better than this, mm-hmm. which will be proven, although, of course, he didn't know this at the time, by the win that we got against Nashville mm-hmm. in the next game. And when you talk about teams on paper, mm-hmm. which you hear a lot when they're like, the Blues on paper are a good team, isn't that normally talking about, that's pretty much just saying, there's talent on this oh, team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Um, Tony Eichenlaub said the compete was better than the previous games, but that's not saying much. It was a very quiet game from our guys were expected, uh, from guys who were expected to show up. Blue since burst said better than previous games, not good enough. I have Max said it was marginally more physical than they have been, not that it made any difference. This bunch just seems to be uncoordinated and short on skill. And AJ said, I liked most of what I saw. The fundamental changes that need to happen aren't going to happen over a couple of practices, at least one of which was optional. Outside of the first goal, the defense looked pretty good. It was the offense that was horrible. Um... I, I agree with most of what everyone said. I like AJ's take. I think there was one, and I didn't leave them off on purpose. I just couldn't find it again. I think there was one that was more negative along the lines of, nope, this team's doomed, and it's all over. And I I felt, I definitely felt that that <laughs> night. So whoever you are, I, I'm not... They weren't wrong. I'm not boxing you out to keep your negative takes off this podcast. God knows. We've got plenty of them. <laughs> I just couldn't find your tweet again, so I'm sorry about that. Um, so yeah, so we all went into Thanksgiving with very little to be thankful for. Mm-hmm. Um and then Friday happened. Why don't you tell us about Friday, Ian? You get the fun so, stuff yeah. today. You know what? I'm going to try and view this as much in a vacuum as I possibly can. Okay. Because when, when we were going to do and then didn't do, but we also did not do the recording of this podcast on Friday, it was going to be a fun one. It was going to be a nice, lighthearted jaunt through the blues because we fired the coach and then we got a win off the National Predators. A huge win. Yeah. So a let's, monumental let's win. Let's just talk about that. First of all, Steen Schwartz and Gunnarsson all still out, but Maroon was back from his injury. As was Bortuzzo. Oh, yeah. How well, dare you. He's been dead forever. <laughs> but Maroon was back. It was a big deal because we were hoping to add some physicality back to this lineup. He slotted him with Perron and Bozak on the third line, and right off the hop, he fought Austin Watson, which was mm-hmm. fantastic. And a real fight, too. It was a little different for Austin Watson to fight someone who can fight back, eh? Mm-hmm. Uh, a new feeling for him. I'll stop. I'll well, stop. N- nailed him. <laughs> oh, no. Is he going to say it? Nope. Okay. Nope. He's going to keep it in. I said I'd stop. I'm done. <laughs> um, Austin Watson has served his federally mandated 
arbitrator decided times, <laughs> and that was deemed sufficient by someone in more power than me. So, I'm done. <laughs> That's all you can do. It was a great fight. I thought it was a very good fight. For once, I think Maroon had a few earlier this season where they just seemed very lackadaisical. I think Maroon actually had a comment after this game that I guess Watson was running around last game, the previous game on Wednesday, just throwing his weight on people, and he was tired of it, so he decided he wanted to fight him immediately as a statement. Shen fought Hartman, uh, Ryan Hartman, less than two minutes later, which was fantastic. He pretty much mugged him. It was great. It was <laughs> and they awesome. threw him to the ice. Petrangelo in the first period pinched in and ran over Kyle Turris along the boards, and Turris never returned to the game. It was great. What the fans hit, were feeling it. Oh, yeah, it was fantastic. There was a point. And Kyle Turris got hurt, which I'm definitely sad about. And, you know, mm. I mean, I'm not, I don't hate Kyle Turris, but I do hate the Predators. So yeah, it's, it's like physical enough, physical enough to hurt somebody. All right. That's, that's a whole different feel for this team. Preko had a few cool chances where he was skating the puck from behind that all the way into their own zone, in their offensive zone. And I tell you, the guy's like 6'5", 6'6". When he skates that fast down the ice, people are moving out of the way. If he does that more often, I think we have a better chance of entering the offensive zone. Do it more. Mm -hmm. I'm sure Larry Robinson is telling you that. There was a Blues goal. Ivan Barbashev, second of the season at 9'26", assisted by Schmaltz. It was a great three-on-one between Barbashev, Blay, and Schmaltz uh, for Barbashev's goal. It all started with Schmaltz breaking up a pass. And then also having the head on him to be get it back to Barbashev for the goal. It was a really good... I was watching it, and it was one of the few times I thought to myself, man, this is actually going to be a goal. I know the Blues are going to score. And they did. Oh, snap. Kyle Turris got placed on IR earlier today. See, he's dead. Alex Petrangelo done killed him. See, good job, Petro. Let's see if they give us a reevaluated. In three months. I did recall Rocco Grimaldi. No one knows who that is. Nobody does. Six to eight weeks. Oh, no, that's Harvinson. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. You didn't kill him that bad. I don't think I have any more than that he's on IR, but anyway. See, that's feisty enough. That's Craig Berube style hockey. Exactly. Craig Berube will put you on IR. 100%. <laughs> Literally the last paragraph of their announcement is a friggin' oh my god, Predators. Just have some class. The first paragraph, not only David Poyle announced IR, yada, 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 Rocco Grimaldi. The second paragraph is Rocco Grimaldi's stats. The third paragraph, the Preds have launched the three-game smash pack presented by Corner Pub, where you choose the games you want to attend, such as all remaining 2018-19 Golden Games, including matchups against the Blackhawks, Red Wings, Rangers, and a New Year's Day tilt with the Flyers. We've got a player, a significant player on injured reserve. Let's use this as an opportunity to peddle our tickets. People are clicking the link every way, so we're going to sell what we can. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> you really don't like the Predators. I really don't. That, that's, I don't know. That's just a scummy move to me. Mm -hmm. Make a different article. This is David Poyle we're talking about. David Poyle, Austin Watson did nothing wrong. David Poyle, the last guy who beat up a woman that played for our team, did nothing wrong. That guy. Yeah. Anyway, go on. He has no strong feelings one way or the other. <laughs> Leah's, Leah's been dealing with him on Twitter all week. Mm. And they I don't know nasty. her, but she's been fighting the good fight. So we'll give up our little piece of pound of flesh <laughs> to make it happen. 
Well, the Blues beat up on the Preds, so that's good. Yes. Blues had a Sorry goal to interrupt. by Ryan O'Reilly. I'll control myself. His 11th of the season at 13.09, assisted by Blaine Petrangelo. Started with a Petrangelo diving poke check, which was fantastic. It actually worked this time. When it time. works, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> Ten seconds later, down the ice, Blade O'Reilly. O'Reilly in the back of the net behind UC Saros. Great goal. Fantastic. Nashville scored later. Eh, Nick Benino, who gives a crap? <laughs> I was, I, part of me inside was like, oh, I get it. Now the fun's over. Mm-hmm. But then we came back and scored under a minute later. Braden Shen unassisted. Yossi cross check Maroon in the face. They get in a little scuffle, and Shen picks up a puck or picks up a pass by Goudreau, is in on a breakaway and scores over Saros' right pad and under his blocker. They seem to do this a lot this game. UC Saros, not great on the blocker side. But I believe some of this happens just because uh, Yossi and Maroon are jawing back uh, near um, Allen at the time, and people are like, I think half the players are just staring at them anyways. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the uh, refs have play on. You get the pick, you get the goal. Fantastic. Saros Rob Thomas or Robert Thomas right before uh, the period ended, and I gotta say that first period was probably the most fun I've seen the Blues have in a game. The most fun I've had. That much fun watching hockey. They I were hitting. Couldn't remember. It was like hockey started. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the season started. Hockey year one. <laughs> hockey AD. <laughs> oh God! I mean, really, I can't overemphasize how much fun like that period was. Like, wow! I know this isn't going to be every period. I know we probably have like hardships ahead, but if they can kind of play like this more often than not, I'll at least enjoy it. We can lose, and I'll at least enjoy it. I. That's the thing about this team. It's like. I, I don't think people are just negative for negativity's sake. It's that so many of our losses this year have just been such total bot fests. Yeah, no, they've been terrible. Uh, This is probably one of our most decisive victories, though. Yeah, Uh, for sure. Second period started, Sanford Sanford scored with under a minute. Under a minute left. With under a minute that had elapsed. (laughs) Uh, O'Reilly and Tarasenko (laughs) assisted. Sanford, I think, sort of, a pretty decent player has turned out to be a pretty decent player this season. I think he still needs to be matched with a center that's pretty good in O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. He kind of looks like he disappeared a little bit when he wasn't with them. So, I mean, if it works to stick with him with O'Reilly, then I say by all means keep him there. Sanford, O'Reilly, Tarasenko seem to have a little bit of chemistry between them. So I say go for it. Uh, for Sanford's goal, Blues looked faster by feasting on turnovers. Preko got a turnover in their own zone, got it up to Tarasenko, tipped it to O'Reilly, and O'Reilly split Nashville's D to find Sanford, who just put it right over UC Saros' blocker. And as, parent, as Darren Pang said, he said, this seems to be a goal that lots of people are scoring these days. Like he was a fashionista. He's like, ah, this is something people are doing these <laughs> this days. This is very in vogue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like left-handed shots looking like they're going to shoot far side, but instead, no, 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 close side and over the blocker. <laughs> that is so fetch. There were more of the Stop trying hits. to make blocker side happen, <laughs> Darren. It's not going to happen. It never worked for Darren. <laughs> Nothing worked for Darren. <laughs> Although, did you see that video of him dangling around his friggin' dog yeah. on Thanksgiving? Dude's got sick greasy mitts, baby. Yeah. He should have tried to not be a goalie <laughs> and maybe be a forward instead. But they were like, you're too small and too bald. Yep. Your head fits right inside this mask. <laughs> to 12-year-old junior hockey, Darren Pegg. You're too small and you're too bald. Yeah, I'm sure he never had hair. <laughs> kind of like you said when we traded for Jay Bo Meester in 2012, he was 29 years old. Uh-huh. I don't think so. No, he no. was born a 45-year-old yeah, man, exactly. an age he hasn't reached yet. <laughs> uh, gross. 
This was a very physical game. You know J-Bow Meister will not age. Mm -mm. He'll be 60. He will look exactly the same as he currently looks. Surprised that he's 60. Because he looks exactly the same when he was drafted. He's just... Yeah, he looked like a young old man. (laughs) Exactly. Barber shoved through some big hits. He annihilated Dan Hamusel on the boards. I think Hamus came back. But I'm sure he was like, who is that young Russian whippersnapper? And I'm going to take care of him because I'm 36-year-old Dan Hamus, who should not be playing in this league anymore. Uh, there were odd man rushes galore in this game. Fabry scored a goal and threw an odd man rush. Uh, no, he didn't. It wasn't an odd man rush. It was a wraparound by Robert Thomas. <laughs> Look at draftier j <laughs> Folks, you can't see this, but... It's just him with less hair. Yeah, it's he just, just has a buzz cut. just him with a buzz cut. That's all it is. Wow. Anyway, sorry. He's never <laughs> aged or de-aged or been any other age than the age he has been. I will tweet that picture out, but that's great. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy looking. Fabry scored a second goal. Robert Thomas made this happen. Wrap around, find Shen and Fabry in front of the net. They both whack at it. <laughs> Fabry's the one that so happens to be uh, the lucky one and get it in. This whole period was actually really good. The second period, Blues were a little less physical, but they seemed to be taking over the game, like, methodically. Petrangelo sticking up for Dunn after weird hit Dunn took from Forsberg. Thomas getting some PK time, which I think is really awesome. Tarasenko getting uh, robbed at different points, I believe. He's so snake-bitten. It would be like off a shoulder, off the post. It was like, oh, please, I know you can score. I've seen it happen before. <laughs> Third period, a little a little more of Nashville pushback. Uh, you know, not a, not a terrible, terrible period by any means, but it was definitely uh, one where it was a little more even. Petrangelo having uh, one of the most assertive games in recent memory in that period as well. Blues looked all right, five on three, but no dice. Need more decisiveness on that five on three. It was it was crazy. They looked so decisive all game long, and yet on this five on three, they reverted back to way too much passing and looking for like the perfect shot. Uh, Rene was in at this point uh, in relief of Saros, and he kept them, I guess, within striking distance. He robbed Maroon off of a pass from Thomas, an amazing pass to the crease, and he robbed Maroon. He robbed uh, Tarasenko again later on in the game. I think they should have just started him. I think if they start Pecorine, I, I don't know if we win that game. Mm-hmm. Or maybe Pecorine is just playing that much better off of a little bit of rest. I don't know. And, uh, I mean, the game ended 6-2, to two, I believe. There was a late Petrangelo goal, and then Ryan Hartman scoring, but who gives a crap, Ryan? <laughs> Nobody's even watching anymore, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. You got your face caved in by Braden Shin, Brian. Jake Allen did have a huge save in the third period on Kevin Fiala. That was as close or as reminiscent to his Calgary Flames save that he had, like, oh, man, 30 years ago. I don't know what it was, like four or five years ago mm-hmm. against TJ Brody where he just stuck the stick out and grabbed it right at the edge of, like, so where the goal line was. That's kind of what happened here. He didn't bounce it up and catch it. Him, but... That save was so friggin' baller. Because mm-hmm. the way he just like caught it with his glove, too. It's like, oh. I do this all the time. Hey, how do you feel about wooing? <laughs> oh, yeah. I hate it. And it's so... Oh, my God. This game was in St. Louis, and you could hear so much wooing in the crowd when it was like 6-2. Because it's like a game... It's the game over sound. One way or the other. Game over sound is wooing. Mm-hmm. If it's 3-2, to two, not so much wooing. If it's 6-2 Blues winning, 6-2 Blues losing, just wooing nonstop. If you're going to woo during a loss, 
I'm a little more open to it because I'm frustrated and it's just like... and Do anything to yeah. entertain yourself. And it's like way. an audio cue of my frustration. Mm. I'm like, this makes sense. I hate this game. Kinda I like hate when, the wooing. Kind of like when you said hot dog. Yeah. I just hate it. Oh, yeah. But uh, wooing during a win, I'm like, I'm trying to enjoy this win. I'd really like everyone to enjoy this one. Can you please just shut up? Could you shut your hoosier mouth up? <laughs> it's all right. Do your own thing. I would never yell at you in person. But man, inside, I'm dying. <laughs> the skin on the inside of my body, you know, that skin, that's falling off. You're killing it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just He's dying. Um, overall, though, a fantastic game. There are a lot of great takeaways. Way more physical in this game than I had seen. I didn't see the Nashville game prior to this one. Tons of fighting. They just they were sticking up for each other. Petrangelo sticking up for Dunn. They had a few times where I believe Sunquist was sticking up for Barbashev and Blay when they were getting knocked around. And it was like, wow, okay, this team seems to care. They finally seem to at least give a crap, and they won. Mm-hmm. It yeah. felt good. And we were headed in a direction from which we would never return. <laughs> I I should have known. First, you did. Did you point out that it was our first division win against? Oh yeah. A non Chicago opponent since February 9th. February 9th. When That's we beat basically Colorado? January. <laughs> <laughs> Almost a full year, folks. Oh my god. Ten months. God. Yeah, it's bad. It's real bad. Which, on the other hand, how good was our non-division record in that time? It must have been fine. I guess decent. Because <laughs> we weren't that god-awful terrible. Uh, I should have known when it was 6-2, and I was feeling top of the world to this team. Like, you know what? I'm on top of the world. Hey. Yep. Not like that song. I hate that song. So it wasn't like that, obviously. But um, I should have known. Because like we talked about earlier, Blues play well, and then they crater game after. And they sure didn't disappoint with that. Yes, and so much like great British British Bake Off judges or hosts uh, trade off the responsibility of who has to give somebody the old rusty boot each week, we get to trade off the responsibility of talking about games, and as they would say, I get the horrid job this week of describing oh, the Blues' 8-4 to four loss to the Winnipeg Jets. Please tweet us if you know what Great British Bake Off <laughs> is. <laughs> please do, because I probably just gave a 15-second description of a joke that no one got. Um, I mean, I hope you watch it. It's a great it's show. It's phenomenal. It's great. I just want to know. It's wonderful. Splendid. I'm not going to do an accent. Scrummy. As they say. No soggy bottoms. No, never. Oh, God. Oh, God. This game... <laughs> and sometimes... This game gave me a soggy bottom. I'll tell you what. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's true. It's true. The pastry didn't rise. It was a rough puff, to be sure. Um... The Winnipeg Jets beat the St. Louis Blues 8-4, to Patrick Laine beat the St. Louis Blues 5-4, to and some dude in Winnipeg won $1 million because that's how bad your St. Louis Blues are. Um, I didn't take notes on this whole game. I just took notes on the Patrick Laine goals because it was really 5-2. to two. We got two kind of crappy late goals. But it was basically Patrick Wine 5, St. Louis Blues 2. Patrick Wine's first goal, just a hard clapper of a one-timer, fine. What are you going to do? Patrick Wine, what you going to do? Goal 2 was a classic Winnipeg power play goal where um, Wheeler passed from the half, half boards across to Line in his office. He scored a goal. Would be fine other than the fact that Mark Shifley 
uh, stick-lifted Braden Shin with as much effort as I would take to stiff-lift a small child, and Braden <laughs> Shin just kind of skated away, disgusted him with himself. Um, but overall, fine. Goal three. There's a three-on-one. I don't know how. Nobody knows how, but there's a three-on-one, and Patrick Wine is on the right side of it, and he scores a hat trick. Of course. Sure. At this point, what's-his-name has won $1,000 from the grocery stores in the greater Winnipeg area, and they're probably pooping their pants because there's half a game left to go, and it goes up to 10000 and then $1 million. Why didn't you just go to 100000 Maybe it goes 1000 100000 a million. I don't remember the specifics. The dude made a lot of money, <laughs> although it's Canadian dollars, so really mm. it's like 86000 bucks. but <laughs> still so not bad. Um, Should have won peso. <laughs> Goal number four, uh, Oscar Sundquist decided he would try to dangle in front of his own effing net. You know how Oscar <laughs> Sundquist is a renowned puck handler? Well, he's not. And so it bounced off a player's skate. Patrick Wine was there to pick it up and shoot it, and he scored because he's Patrick Wine. And then goal number five, what <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> Patrick Wine who has already scored four goals in this game and was Patrick Laine to begin damn with, is sitting in the middle of a field. He could have been friggin' what's-her-name and friggin' Sound of Music. He was so wide open, just frolicking and singing his song, just sitting there in the slot, totally uncovered, and he gets the puck, and he's still still nobody gets over there like it's any sort of a damn emergency. And he just picks his spot, and poor, I think it was Jake Allen by this point, just kind of has to be like, well, I'm here too. <laughs> Which, usually we give Jake Allen a little crap, but what's he supposed to do? <laughs> Even Patrick Wine buried us for this. He said... I don't I don't do a good Patrick Wine, a, but he said something to the effect of uh, I was pretty surprised that I was wide open and had the time to look where I'm shooting and kind of pick the spot. So I think with that goal, I was pretty surprised how open I was. And what is that? And Kyle Connor, what he said or no, my accent? Just the accent. Oh, I don't know. Okay. Is that what Finnish people sound like? And Kyle Connor, who I'm assuming sounds like a valley girl, said, um, yeah, I wouldn't leave him wide open in the slot. I don't know what's going on over there, but he seems to just be finding the right holes. And it seems like he's always open, too. Good to him. He knows how to find those open areas. Was that better? <laughs> Kyle Connor, valley girl, bucket. <laughs> he started it with, um, yeah, that's not my fault. So, five to two... Patrick Wine, some other people score goals. Jay Bomeister scored a goal for the Jets, of course. Mm. Um, I think Blake Wheeler got credited with that one. <sighs> there was a guy on Reddit mm-hmm. who tried to explain this game away with a series of non sequiturs. <laughs> I don't remember them all. Among them were that you just lost to the league's best goal scorer. What are you going to do? He doesn't score five every night. You underscore not creative, unfunny underscore name. Because it's not that guy. We love that guy. Mm -hmm. But 
Nobody covered him on his fifth goal. That's still us. Well, the team gave up at that point. Sure. Before they were trying, I bet. But at that point, they'd given up. But but then he also said, we still scored four goals, which is a violation of the Doug Armstrong principle of Mm -hmm. loser hockey. Loser hockey. That's... I'm plastering that everywhere. It's loser hockey. Pat Maroon, by the way, scored his first goal as a blue in this god-awful abortion of a game. <laughs> On his uh, little wraparound thing. Yeah. His semi-wraparound. So his he's never going to stop. He goes, I did it. Never going to stop. Never going to stop. Um, is there anything else to point out? I know that guy said other stuff. I don't remember any of the crap that he said. Oh, we were, uh, we were tired. We just played back to back. Oh yeah, back to back. We were tired. Oh, we were uh, back to back after our first physical effort in over a year, which he decided to read as a positive. <laughs> yeah, that that had to be like a joke. I hope so. Maybe the whole thing was a joke. Maybe we're just reading too much into it. I hope. But he said, "Call me crazy," and the first response, which had more upvotes, was, "You're crazy." So <laughs> Reddit did its job, but I. Just like, why, St. Louis? You could have lost this game. I said, if you lost 4-2, I'm like, yeah, I know. And you just look consistent, and you just lose to the Jets Mm because they're the Jets, and they're probably the best team in hockey overall. Mm -hmm. I would still say probably are, at least just in terms of insane raw talent Mm -hmm. they could be because Kyle Connor is like a friggin' third-liner with his coach purses and his, mm-hmm. you know, Birkenstock sandals. Kyle, Kyle Connor is the new Nikolai Ehlers, and Nikolai Ehlers is still there. <laughs> That's so true. So they're just a better team than you. I get that. But, mm-hmm. like, you can't do this. And they're, like, at home, and you just had the new coach, and you just played physical out of your mind. That's the thing of... The Winnipeg Jets will impose their will on you because they're just a better team, but you can still hit, or you can still make an effort. Like, I can see if you're making effort, but you also lose. Yeah. But they didn't do the first part uh. again. And I hate that they come out with these little quotes at the end, like, well, we get... They did, they, they, I can't did you write they, down any of those this year? Joel Edmondson said they got outworked. No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. I did a poll. We did a poll on Twitter about what phrase would be used most in the post-game press conferences and that one was outworked mirror was another one Mm. just the word mirror because i said which (laughs) word or phrase and then i forget the other two full 60 was one of them and then i forget the other one did they you should put something in there next time about uh fans or the fans deserving deserved or fans because there was non-stop every player be like the fans don't deserve this and we deserve to get booed off the ice i'm like man i just don't How broken are you if you think we deserve to get booed off the ice and we are being booed off the ice and I'm still not going to fix it? Yeah, like, oh my goodness. I... If that's where your mindset is, that the only thing you can do to please the fans at this point is just agree with them at the end of every game, yeah, we are bad. That's like how I disarm internet trolls. Like, you're bad at this game. Like, yeah, I know. But, like, I am still bad. And these players do still suck. So even if you're going to go out there and be like, no, we know. We're really bad. We get it. Be like, okay. Well, I can't fix it. So you got to fix it. Uh, I've tried to fix it. I'd also like to go on a slight tangent about how fans... Um, don't hesitate. Aren't, go on tangent. Don't like... I don't know. They don't affect this team. Now we've gotten to the point 
of oh we're yes, so, this is one of my favorites. Yeah, we're so bad that now it's everyone's grasping at straws, and I'm gonna say including including us a little bit. I'm sure it's like Robert Bortuzzo needs to come back, and he will fix this. We go, you know who's the real problem? Tyler Bozak's gotta go because he's an issue, and like just this weird crap doesn't make any sense. Robert Thomas is he really even that good? Just random crap. A lot of the uh, well, David Backus is gone. That's our problem. Yeah, yeah, just anything and everything, and I, I understand uh, that. Just hot takes, not even hot takes, because a hot take I think like you're trying to be intentionally an mm-hmm. asshole a little bit. It's more just like grasping at straws. Yeah, yeah. It's just like begging for an explanation of what... Because we have none. Yeah. There's so much wrong with this team that it could be any of these things, really. But the one I hate, that I really hate the most, and I've said before, is that somehow it's like we as fans haven't been tough enough on the team or something, and mm-hmm. that's why there's like a a mediocrity haze over this team because fans just don't demand enough. If we were more demanding, this team would be better. It's like, what? They're not like your child. I don't know what you think, like, me and Steven here are yelling about this team, but we don't expect them to get better just because we're angry at mm. them, or for them to not get better because we pat them on the back. We don't have any effect other than, like, not going to the game, or launching some crazy campaign to, like, get Jay Bomeister out of here or something, and even then, that's not going to happen. You know who I was thinking about when I was saying that? I was thinking about Brewer, Eric Brewer, <laughs> and getting his family all angry in the stands, because people are crazy, don't do that. My point is, be angry at the players, grasp at your straws, but it's not some weird fan base owes this team one of two things. Either A, we need to be nicer to them, because no, we don't. And also, we're not being mean to them. We need them to just play better. I don't hate any of these people. They just need to be better hockey players. Two, we're also not being, like, so mean, or we're not being so nice to them that they don't care anymore. That it's like, oh, the fans are just... You know, whatever whatever the Blues want to do, they want to do. And Doug Armstrong goes, did you hear? The fans say we can do whatever we want. You can keep losing if you want. It doesn't matter to them. Yeah. That's pretty cool. They don't care. They care literally about the money. The money and if enough people, like, if enough people got, like, on social media or sat outside of Enterprise, like, signs, like, you're killing apes or something. <laughs> like, I don't, you know, just weird stuff like that. They don't care. You have no effect, for better or worse, other than, like, the money you pay them. Yeah, I just... Sorry, that's my whatever where people start getting pissed at other fans for being an issue. And the other thing is, like, so what? So fans go there, they can't just generate excitement. They can't, like, okay, I I can believe, like, I believe basically that players will play well, better in front of, like, a a rocking crowd. Oh, yeah. But you've got to give them something. Mm Mm-hmm. A fire doesn't just start in a vacuum, you know? You have to do something. You have to start that process, <laughs> and then they can continue that process. It was loud as hell after that Maroon and Shin fight on against Nashville. Mm-hmm. That building was rocking like I haven't heard in ages, but it doesn't just start on its own. I just, ugh. Yeah, it's not the fan. It's not a chicken or the egg. It's not fans need to do better for the team to do better. The team just needs to do better. The fan, the fan base is there. The excitement will come. You just have to be a better team. Yeah. I don't owe you like standing up and playing my crappy vuvuzela to get you to like, oh, I get it. They said let's go blues for a third, but very slow time. Also, stop <laughs> that. <laughs> we chicken or the egg. They're the. 
I guess they're the ones that start it. We're not. But also, please stop with the slow boo-boo-sale. It's let's go blues, let's go blues. And then for some reason they decide it needs to be let's go blues. Wow, that sounded exciting. I'm ready to go, said every player. Yeah. No, they didn't. They didn't. It should be faster. Let's go, boys. Let's go, boys. Let's go, boys. <laughs> Double speed. <laughs> See, this is me just grasping at straws, just like everyone else, because I'm so goddamn frustrated with this team. That's the bottom line. I just wish this team would be better, and I don't know why they're not. Why aren't they better, Steven? On paper, they're pretty good. Hey, Doug Peters liked a tweet from the two guys. Oh, God. I don't know that man. <laughs> I just don't like... Uh, I would just... If, if any of you don't like the part where we're just openly ranting and raving you can turn it off now skip to the end of the podcast yeah we're gonna talk maybe a little bit about possible trades or maybe not but i just i i have no idea what the problem is Mm -mm. nashville or not nashville los angeles your stud goaltender was bad and then died you lost two more backups. You've slowly been getting older and worse for years, and your solution to that was Ilya Kovalchuk. That's why they're bad. That mm. whole soup. It's not like they haven't really been relevant since, what, like 2013, 14 maybe? Yeah, that, I mean, yeah. that you were, like, afraid of the Kings? Mm-hmm. Like, we would be afraid of the Kings because... <laughs> We'll lose to well, anybody you're in the afraid playoffs. Of the just pick a contender, you know? But, like, not now. I'm yeah. just, like, back then. But, like, with them, you see it, like, slowly happening all the time. Edmonton, they've been mismanaged the hell out of for a decade. They've got Connor McDavid. They've got Leon Dreisaitl. They ain't got much else. Mm-hmm. They've had a, they had a friggin' goalie start like 170 games in the last two seasons. I don't even understand how that's possible. I'm not going to go through every bad team in the league. The point is, I don't know what happened. It's not David, is it David Backus? I don't know. I could accept anything. Because at this point, you were a Western Conference champion, or Western Conference finalist. Ooh. Then, I hate, by the way, in the Great British Bake Off, when they call the second to last (laughs) round the semifinalist, because there are three people in the last round. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. (laughs) So anyway. Well, they're across the sea. (laughs) They got different rules over there. They mm. say stuff like tomato, and I don't even know. Oregano, oh. aluminum, oh, advertisement. Stop it. Stop it. Um, Hollywood, they say a lot. <laughs> anyway. Hollywood. <laughs> this team, the talent is there, guys. Ryan O'Reilly is playing out of his mind. I'm He's so playing sorry. better than he should. Vladimir Tarasenko has the talent. You can't say he doesn't have the talent. Patrick Maroon, he's fine. He's whatever. Jaden Schwartz has the talent. Braden Shin has the talent. Alex Petrangelo, Colton Pareko, Joel Edmondson, Vince Dunn. Even Jake Allen has the physical ability to be a great goaltender. He's athletic. He just can't be, apparently. <laughs> So I just don't, I just don't get it. And I, it is like, just start gutting the core. 
There is no way that basically this team just flips the switch and becomes the Stanley Cup contender. Mm-hmm. There's no way. You gotta do something. You have to say something. <laughs> do you think there's a trade made by this team before Christmas? I could see a trade made by this team before Wednesday. I honestly could. I don't think it'll happen, but I could see it. Because you have, I mean, you have to do something. Even if it's kind of a shitty one, like, I don't know, like the Cole for Bortuzzo trade where you're like, okay. Oh, gross. You know, but like, maybe more than that, because that'd be like schmaltz for somebody and who gives a shit. But like, I'm trying to think of like a... Yeah, yeah. A middle-tier player that isn't new that we could trade. Like a Fabry, even, you know, for mm-hmm. like a whatever, similar sort of... Those a are Carl Hagelin. <laughs> like, I was going to say, similar to the Pearson and Strom trades, which I don't know if we even talked about the Strom trade. Who cares? Strom for Spooner. <laughs> Boring. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, I want to see a Johnson trade. Mm-hmm. That's your only option at this point. Because you're either making that and by a Johnson trade, I just mean just trade a cornerstone of the team and say, fuck it. He's not here anymore. Figure it out. You know, Mm. that guy was your first overall pick. That guy was your identity. He's gone. You guys sort it out. And like you said earlier, that's Tarasenko. That's Petrangelo. To a lesser extent, it's Pareko, Schwartz. I don't really think it's Shin, because these guys were bad before Shin got here, for the most (laughs) part. I mean, I think Shin will probably be traded at this point, because he's going to walk probably in a year and a half, you know, because you've got too many centers somehow. That's the only thing you've got going right for this damn team. Mm -hmm. And I think you, you trade... Like, if I was Doug Armstrong, I would be looking for a trade that sent out maybe a couple of pieces, including Jake Allen, got us a goaltender we could keep. It doesn't even have to be a great goaltender, just make it someone who's fine. And got rid of Jake Allen's contract and brought in, like, another contributor. And then you bring up Jordan Cairo. I don't know how he's been doing in the AHL, but you just, like... Play him consistently, and then it's like, okay, we're a different team now, guys, when you're really not, but you have to spin it, you know? Like, you've just got to do something to change what this team is, because otherwise, you really are losing for Hughes. I mean, that's your other option right now. You have a top 10 protected first-round pick that will be the Sabres if you do well enough, and I think, for me, that's the nightmare scenario, is, like, we pull out of the just nosedive, and we convince ourselves that even if we're not good, we're okay. Mm-hmm. And we get, like, the 12th pick, and we have to send that to Buffalo. And then we kind of just keep treading water, and it's just not good enough, and it'll never be good enough. That's the scary scenario mm-hmm. for me. I'd rather us just friggin' just bomb. If yeah. We're, if we're gonna do it, do it all the way. You know? I think we are. I really think we are. I don't see... I, do you see a route back? I mean, you make a trade, it's not automatically going to fix things. Mm-hmm. I, I Berube, think it, I mean, it gets worse before it gets better. I think it's still there's Mike, still worse to come. Mike Yo went 22-8-2 with this team. I think he did lose his second game here, but like it wasn't this kind of, It was in a stark and immediate change in tone. Mm-hmm. 
this team has not changed its tone. When you compare the three games of evidence, which I know is a small sample size, but we don't have time. That's another consistent point we're trying to make is we don't have the time to maybe in another week they'll turn it around. You mm. don't have another week. We only have one game left in November. That's yeah. it. And then we're into December already. And then you can say, oh, they just need a little, they need to start, as I see all the time, they need to start getting hot pretty soon here. I'm not going to write them off yet, but they need to get hot pretty soon here. And I hear that this week and the next week and the week after that. And there's no more room to get hot anymore. So, I, I don't know. Watch this team play. Christmas is one month from yeah. today. Watch this team play and tell me that... They're gonna they're gonna pull out of it. Yeah. I doesn't it has not happened yet. And until they literally do it, I'm not gonna believe and it. And the only other thing I've been thinking, I wanna look this up since you brought it up. The only other thing I've been thinking is maybe our schedule's been crappier than we're giving it credit for. Harder. Yeah. Harder. But I don't think that's true. So let's go through it. Let's find out how true it is. Because <laughs> I keep thinking, well, December is a pretty easy month for us. And I think that is true, relatively speaking. Okay, we opened up against Winnipeg. Then we hosted Chicago, who are bad. Calgary is decent. Chicago and Anaheim, both bad. Montreal, middle of the pack. Toronto, Winnipeg, both good. Mm-hmm. Columbus, bad. Chicago, bad. Columbus, okay. Middle, yeah. But... Like, that's not a back-breaking month mm-hmm. of October to open your season. I mean, it was crappy to open against the Jets. But then you go to Vegas, or you host. Look at look back at this homestand that we had. Vegas, Mini- well, Columbus and Chicago first. Then Vegas, Minnesota, Carolina, San Jose, Minnesota. And you come out of that four and three from that road trip, like or homestand? Like, how he survived that? Mm-hmm. The la- losing the last game on that. Anyway, then Chicago, Vegas, San Jose, L.A., and now these three against Nashville and Winnipeg. Like, that's the hardest stretch of your season. But before that, it's not backbreaking no. what's, by any stretch. What's December look like? We So we have we do have two games left in November, just technically speaking. We've got Wednesday and Friday. Oh, Friday. Friday I keep thinking November, of Saturday. But, yeah. Um, so you play... The Red Wings Wednesday, then a back-to-back away and away against the Avalanche and Coyotes Friday, Saturday. Then you have the Oilers at home, at the Jets, host Vancouver, Florida, Colorado, and Calgary. Then you're at Edmonton, Vancouver, and Calgary. And then you host Buffalo, Pittsburgh, and New York, the Rangers. So that's not hard. That's a pretty... That's a month prime for us to... Get hot. Like if 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 we're talking this same if Christmas is a month away. If we're talking about anywhere near the same team, it's over. It's absolutely over. Mm. If you can't make up serious ground with Arizona, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Vancouver is good this year. But Arizona, Edmonton, Florida, Colorado, Edmonton again, mm. Calgary twice. Like those, are, you got to win. How many games is that? You got to win like seven and three in that at least to and. That's the thing. To get back, we've got to outperform all the other teams. Mm. It's easy enough to say, well, we're just four points out. But Sorry for kicking you, but those teams have already done those four points. And they're already on a better pace than us. I agree. It's not there. It's just not. I don't see it. So do we get Jack Hughes? (laughs) 
folks. No. We'll we'll be like second to last. And we'll get bumped out of the draft lottery. And we'll have the fourth fucking <laughs> That's our life. And again, like, coming into the season, mm-hmm. not that you'd want the fourth pick, but you'd be like, oh, we got the fourth pick. Like, if I could fast forward to that, that'd be cool. But, like, good God. <laughs> oh, no, seriously, folks. If we finish anywhere in the draft lottery and we finish dead last this season, we're not getting Jack Hughes. Because mm. it's the St. Louis Blues... And we're gonna get bumped out of the first spot. They like won't give it to a thousand percent. What's though? They can't give it to Ottawa. Although that'd be the funniest story if Ottawa's pick got it. Mm-hmm. They 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 might give it to Edmonton again. Yeah, why not? I don't really. Oh, be- I don't know if I believe the draft lottery is fixed, but I don't believe it isn't at the same <laughs> time. So yeah, we're not. We we won't get that, or we'll get Jack Hughes and folks. He's gonna get in a golf, golf cart, cart and just run Wait, over no, both bowling his knees. Accident. Bowling, he's yeah. gonna reach his hand too far a back ski in, ball the, accident. in the in the ball return, and he's gonna like get sucked in, and it's <laughs> just gonna shatter his arm. They go. He should be back next season, but he never had an arm again. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But I think as so that's your bright future, yeah. <laughs> St. Louis. I think as the season rolls along, I mean, we'll see what happens. But I think we'll, I think it's just gonna become more of a more of a humorous podcast, more than already was. Yeah, We're I'm not... hoping the anger stops today. Yeah. I think because either it's happy or it's just funny at mm. this point. I mean, there will be anger, but hopefully, fun anger. Yeah. The only other point, the only other thing I want to say is. Four coaches, six coaches in the history of this franchise have managed the team multiple times. Let's make it seven and bring Batchel. <laughs> I will say, are you saying you want to get Mike Yo back already? Here's the one thing, the one scenario that I will have like infinite hope for this team. If we friggin' bomb, we get Jack Hughes. And then we, you know, let's say make the Tarasenko or Petrangelo trade or whatever. And in the offseason, assuming he hasn't been signed by that, you get to go to Joel Quinville and say, you've got Ryan O'Reilly, Jack Hughes, and Robert Thomas. Come coach us. Mm-hmm. Then, then maybe you have a chance if you had the money. Then maybe you can do it. But I don't see it. <laughs> <laughs> you have Ryan O'Reilly, Jack Hughes, or Ryan O'Reilly, Robert Thomas, and the fifth pick in the NHL draft. Come coach us. <laughs> Much less appealing pick. Oh, uh, do you have anything things. else to say about this team? Um, I will always somehow have like the slightest glimmer of hope. I keep saying it's dead, but it's still there. I'm telling you again for the 50th time that if uh, we lose to the Detroit Red Wings on Wednesday, by any amount, I don't care. It can be a shootout loss. It's 7-6, to six and we look baller. And yeah. the sixth puck goes off, the, or the seventh goal goes off the scoreboard, and the ref doesn't see it, and it bounces into yeah. the net. It's still... Yeah, it's over. You <laughs> like... I mean, technically they're better than us, but you should not lose to the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah. Oh, no, because they're supposed to be here. And we're not supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. 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 Much like Kirsten Bell in The Good Place, she's not supposed to be no, here, is no. what she said in the one episode much, I watched. Much like the bakers that get kicked oh, off in the first week of the great <laughs> I'm not supposed out. to be here. <laughs> uh, great British Berube off. I think we're going to talk about that show a lot more. Yeah, probably. But that's, <laughs> we're going to be the two guys, one great British bake off podcast mm-hmm. two guys no paul hollywood handshake podcast mm, yep 
Until then, until we reconvene to discuss this team and its failings further, which we will do on Friday, um, you can keep in touch with us at Two Guys No Cup on Twitter. Nobody's still listening, and everyone who is already does, but do it anyway. <laughs> We're also on Instagram, and look for a post on our St. Louis Blues this week where we ask you for input that will shape our next episode. Mm-hmm. Until then... A- Cheerio. Goodbye, Governor. <laughs> <laughs>